I feel like Melissa and I uh, often are saying something to the effect of, it's just so crazy to us that the, some of the most important things in life, right? Relationships, marriages, family, how to navigate relationships, how to, how to have a, a marriage that thrives and what to do when you have conflict. Like these are just such critical things. And yet they're some of the things that we get the least amount of guidance and coaching on <laughs> growing up or throughout our lives. And that is why I'm so excited to have you listen to this interview that we did with Jason and Ellen, the founders of the Relationship School. I met Jason at a mastermind uh, group that he and I are part of. We uh, we did a breath work uh, and yoga session together and got to talking and realized we shared a common calling of helping families and, and relationships and marriages. They've taken that to an incredible level um, with what they teach at the Relationship School. It, it is so transformative and yet so practical and I really believe that you're going to find this interview as transformative and as applicable as Melissa and I did. You know, when we were talking with Jason and Alan, we kept looking at each other like, oh my gosh, like we could do better at this in our marriage or wow, we, we really need this right now in our relationship. What they teach is not just how to have a relationship that thrives, but maybe in my opinion, most importantly, what to do when your relationship isn't working, like how to, how to overcome conflict and how to use those challenging times to even become stronger. And so uh, I'm really excited for you to listen to this uh, interview and, and put it into practice like we have. Hello and welcome to the Family Brand Podcast. My name is Chris. I'm a husband, a father, and an entrepreneur. My name's Melissa and I am a wife, mother, former nurse turned real estate investor. And we believe the greatest gift you can give your child is a last name that stands for something. Your last name is your family's brand. If you are a parent who wants to raise your child to know who they are, love who they are, and believe in who they are, this show is for you. We promise to bring you real and authentic conversations with parents and experts who are committed to making their family their life's most important work. This show will help you take a stand for your family and to raise your children by design, not default. So today, everyone is in for a real treat because we have Jason and Ellen joining us as guests on the Family Brand Podcast. So welcome, the two of you. Thanks. Thank you for having us. Yeah, and it's so it's funny because I think, well, two weeks ago, we had the opportunity to be a guest on their podcast, which is called the Relationship School Podcast, correct? So, yeah. and then the reason Melissa and I were talking, we're so excited about this particular episode and having... Jason and Ellen on with us is we were actually kind of surprised. We've done just over a hundred episodes now on our podcast. We've certainly talked about marriage. We've talked about relationships, but it hasn't been as maybe as big of a focus as I thought it would be. We talk a lot about the whole family. Mm -hmm. We talk a lot about raising strong, confident, happy children. We, we also talk a lot about going after kind of your, your dreams and what you want as maybe a parent in the family. Yeah. And, but we haven't had a whole lot of episodes, whether it's with us or with another guest, where it's talking specifically about the relationship of marriage or a partner. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's, but if that's not right, or if that's not whole, or if that's not healthy, you know, it's tough to kind of have anything else feel like it's working. You know, we talk to couples all the time. It's like, oh, when our marriage isn't working, nothing seems like it's working in my life, yeah. personally, professionally, family. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we're really excited to uh, to dive in with you. And I guess it was interesting, you know, maybe we'll start here. Jason, I read, you know, with your story, the relationship school came about because of your own painful experiences with failed relationships. Yeah. And after having a series of, you know, relationships that didn't work, you're kind of like, 
maybe I'm the common denominator, right? Like, right. will you talk about that a little bit? Just kind of how that, because that's a hard realization, I think, to come to like, oh, I'm responsible, you know, and yeah, will you just share a little bit of that? And then Ellen, I'd love to hear your perspective on that too. Yeah, yeah she came into the picture at a certain point that was pivotal. Uh, yeah, in my 20s, it just it was I was all, you know, I was kind of lost and had lots of issues. <laughs> Let's just say that. And I was uh, pretty caught blaming everybody um, but myself. I was not a self-blamer. I was definitely an other blamer. And uh, every woman I dated was like not good enough or not whatever enough. And um, I, I, there were very short-term relationships. Kind of as soon as it got uncomfortable and it got real, I would bail and, and just move on and make her wrong. And that happened enough times at age 29. I, I was breaking up with another good woman and I realized... Um, during that breakup that I was perhaps responsible for what was going on in the dynamic. Cause I, I, the only thing I could realize was that I was the common denominator in all those relationships. And that was huge for me. It was a very pivotal moment in my life. And shortly after I went to graduate school, cause I wanted to figure out myself if that was true. And I wanted to figure out relationships. And so I went to study psychology and met this amazing woman, my first semester, she was a couple of years ahead of me in graduate, mm -hmm. in our graduate program. And um, we eventually it took hooked us a, up. It took us about a year after yeah. we met yeah. to start dating. Yeah. And I, I was um, used to sort of, in my language, I was used to dating girls, younger women who I had feel like I had a lot of control in the situation. They couldn't challenge me. I always picked maybe a younger, more insecure woman. Uh, and then I met you and it was like the first kind of woman I met that... Mm -hmm you know, didn't sort of back down and didn't, didn't tolerate my bullshit, basically. <laughs> Ellen, what was your experience? Had you had a similar experience in past relationships? Like what this idea of like realizing, wait, I'm, I'm 100% responsible for me in the relationship. Like what was your experience with that? Yeah, mine was a little different. And I, and I just want to acknowledge that really Jason started the relationship school. It's really his, his vision and his, um, creation and hard work. And I have my role supporting that and contributing to that, but I just want to acknowledge mm. that it really, it, yeah. the relationship school really came from you and, uh, and from what we've learned, but mm -hmm. he's, he really created that. I, th I think for me, but by the time I met Jason, I was also in a place where I, I was in a lot of pain. I'd had a lot of heartbreak, a lot of relationships that ended that I felt really sad about. I don't think you felt mm. heartbroken. <laughs> and so I was like, I really wanted to figure that out too. Like, how can I, I really wanted to be in partnership. And I just really kept feeling like, God, I'm, I'm the one who's willing. And, but these men just kind of drift off or don't want to commit. And I was so like ready to commit to probably people I should never, thankfully I never did get to commit <laughs> to, <laughs> but um, yeah, I was in a different place where I was really trying to figure out how to really advocate for what I wanted. And so when I met Jason, that I think he felt that, that I was serious about advocating for myself and advocating for transparency and truth between us. Like if something isn't working, like let's talk about it. Like if you're starting to drift, I'm going to ask you about that. And like, hey, what's going on over there? Which I didn't like at you first. You didn't like that. But eventually yeah. you started to feel like, oh, that's, that actually feels better than... <laughs> than not talking yeah, about it. Completely. So I think um, we had a lot of, you could say conflict mm -hmm. in the beginning, 
because we were really trying to, we were just really talking about things that would happen between us that, that and didn't we were feel good. Both studying and, and training we're both to be psychotherapists. Training to be therapists. So we're we analyzing, we're analyzing each other and it was unproductive yeah. arguing yeah. a lot of the time and trying to figure ourselves out. But <clears> at least we were both really interested in the subject. So mm -hmm. there was, it was a fair match. Yeah. But it sounds like the conflict actually led to something really great. And I, and I think yeah. sometimes couples are afraid of conflict or they see conflict as bad. Yeah. 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 And I know that that's a huge, you know, like you go on your website, very first thing on the homepage is it, it addresses like how to, how to handle, you know, a relationship that isn't maybe what you want it to be or conflict. Will you speak to this idea of yeah, how, to, how to work through conflict and is all, is conflict always a, like, should couples be really afraid or nervous, even dating, like when they have some conflict? Right. Yeah. I mean, we, we had like, I would say three years of conflict. That, <laughs> uh, it took us quite a while to figure it out. We had a couple breakups in there. Mm -hmm. And then once we got married, we started to, I think, get more efficient. And just over the years, we just keep, you know, learning about each other and our nervous systems and how to do it better. Yeah. And keep, um, we continually learning about that. Yeah. And I think uh, it's always a red flag when couples say we have no conflict, like we have no disagreements. We just, there's always perfect between us. I'm like, eh, then you're probably avoiding something. Just my opinion. And it's through conflict and through adversity between us that actually build secure, strong relationships. Through repairing and, it. Through repairing it. Getting back to a good place, which is the hardest thing I think for people. Yeah. So we call yeah. it the conflict repair cycle where you're going to have conflict. It's kind of inevitable at some point, whether it's every week or once a month or once a year. And it's how you recover from that and how you repair the snag between the two of you that actually builds strength and security. Yeah. And that's, that's based on research actually yeah. around like parent child pairs from Edtronic. I just like to give him credit for that. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Highly it's researched that that's the, that's where the goods are is, it's is in, in the, the repair in process. the getting, getting back to a good place is where security's built. So I think for whatever reason, where we were in our lives and where we continue to be is like something feels off or something doesn't feel good. We both want to talk about it. Yeah. So we don't tend to avoid for very long, yeah. <laughs> maybe for a few hours or a day, but yeah. we're like, Oh shit, I got to talk about this thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we uh, do. couples do think uh, there are people in the kind of fantasy that if you meet the right person or find the one that there, there shouldn't be any conflict. Mm. And I, I just don't think that's a helpful message because then when people get into conflict, they think, oh, it's you or it's I'm, there's a problem here. And it's like, no, there's no problem. It's just, you have, you two have, you need to continue to find a way yeah. to work through your stuff together. So I hear in that two, I think really useful things. One is that, that when there is conflict, the opportunity is to how are we going to recover from this, right? Like that is the opportunity around the conflict that can actually have us become stronger, not just get back to a place of where we were, like we can even yeah. be stronger. Yeah. Yes. And then Ellen, you said something really profound. I think that from time of conflict to addressing it, like the shorter we can make that within reason, the better. So that a whole lot of other meaning, unnecessary meaning and emotion doesn't get attached to it and builds and builds and builds and builds until it's a real, real nightmare and issue. Exactly. So I think there's a ton of wisdom and yeah, we're going to have conflict. And that doesn't mean something's wrong with you or wrong with me or wrong with us. It just means we have conflict and the opportunity is to repair that conflict. And it's the, the quicker, the better is what I'm hearing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. And there's a lot of reasons for that, just in terms of building up negative memory. If we go too long, like you said, like the, uh, other things start to accumulate in our bodies and our minds. And if that happens too much, too often, that, that does create wear and tear on a relationship. Yeah. If you're a couple listening or a person listening and you find that, you know, thinking to yourself, I do have conflict in my marriage or my relationship. And Chris and I were talking this morning. This isn't something that you're taught in school is like how to actually work through these things, like such a basic, like life skill for relationships, but yet it's never taught. Uh, What would you say to someone listening? Like, okay, I have conflict. Like what, what's some steps that we can take to like begin working through this? If we don't feel like we are doing it well right now. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the frame that, you're speaking to here that conflict's an opportunity is number one is like have the mindset that it's always an opportunity. It's not a problem in and of itself. If we can kind of just have that view and remind each other like, Hey, this, this is uncomfortable and it's painful, but in the big picture, there's an opportunity here to get stronger. Just that mindset alone is huge. And then I think there's, there's many things we can do around like agreements around that, Mm -hmm. that we always, if things get hard, we, we always come back the self-awareness that look if it's very uncomfortable for you and it's scary and it feels really bad you're normal and there's nothing wrong with you personally mm-hmm. if that's uh you the listener that it's okay it's just it's crunchy and it's crunchy stuff between people is usually really uncomfortable mm-hmm. and that's normal and and you we're resilient human beings and we can we have the capacity to to work mm-hmm. through it and to not blame yourself because a lot of us grew up in families where it was, we just modeled, we got what we got, right? We got the modeling that we got, whether it was a fighting family or a avoidant family or whatever the family system was, that's, that's the download we got. And so that's likely we're going to do some version of that mm-hmm. under stress. And then, and then we can start implementing like agreements and different mm-hmm. tools we can use. Yeah. I like, I like you mentioning the agreements part. Cause I think even just having an agreement that we're we're both committed to getting back to a good place after conflict to finding something yeah we want both of us to feel good like anything that helps contain some of the avoidance or the even sometimes like the we might do things that make it worse like yelling or name calling or going silent like there's things we might do based mm-hmm. on what we learned that make things worse but if we if we have an agreement that like okay if we get into conflict we're, we're gonna we're going to get back to a good place. We're going to learn how to do that because most of us, like you said, Melissa, like weren't taught, mm-hmm. didn't learn, didn't see it modeled. And it is important to learn and also to have that commitment to, to getting reconnected. Most couples I see, you know, when I ask them how they repair they're it's like a blank stare. They're just like, uh, I don't know. And they might've been together 20 years and they just, they don't have a, a process or an agreement or any agreements, or it's like people get upset and then anything could happen and, mm. and people are living in that Damn, and it's yeah. super, it's stressful and it, it does create wear and tear. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we wouldn't do that with our kids, hopefully just like, but I guess families do like if yeah. an explosion comes up and then no one addresses it or talks about it after, like hopefully most parents now want to learn how to do that better. And I think partners, it's just as important. Yeah, I can totally see the genius. I've never thought about it. I could totally see how wise it is to have a conflict, like resolution process that you've agreed upon. Like, hey, here's when when we have conflict and inevitably we will, here's the process. And part of that process could include what we do and part of it could include what we don't do. Totally. 
you know, because for a long time, anytime we had conflict, I shouldn't say anytime, but when we had a more serious conflict, it would be easy to be like, well, maybe we shouldn't be married. Let's just get divorced. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, I hate to admit that, that, that I did that, but it's true. But there, like that, you talk about breaking trust, like that if every time something gets a little bit hard, you're going to like threaten to get divorced and leave. It's like, you can't. Yeah. Not good. So yeah, it's like, so we just agreed, like that's off the table for us. From totally. now on. Nice. Like we will never threaten divorce or leaving or so I, but I've never really thought about it as, yeah, having this process of what we do, what we don't do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and I've heard, I heard one time someone say, it's okay to fight as a couple, but just keep the gloves on. You know, cause when the gloves come off, that's when it's <laughs> right. like, right. you start saying gnarly things that like <laughs> are going to take even longer to repair from, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like fight with gloves on, which could be follow a process, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's so many ways there, there really isn't just one way to, to yeah. work through it. There's a lot of ways that two people together can find a way, but you know, sometimes you need outside help, but you know, even just starting with what are we not going to do anymore? Okay. When we're upset, that's not the time to talk about divorce. Like we had, if we need to have that conversation that happens when we're connected and calm and rational and like really talking about our relationship not when one of us is just upset or angry or something yeah yeah, mm. yeah and in terms of the process because that's an important piece here like I, I just like to say there's two strategies people couples can employ depending on who wants to speak first like who wants to go first like let's say we've had a a snag and there's been a little distance and we it got heated and then there's like a little bit of space because there's during conflict can be hard Mm-hmm. to change our behavior. Cause some of us grew up in traumatic households and we just react and do the thing that's really hurtful. So again, that's why the recovery is so essential. Um, but if we're going to start, we can, if we're going to speak the the thing we want to say is my part is dot, dot, dot. And I can imagine the impact on you is blank. Mm. So that's a, if you're going to be a speaker or you could make the commitment to listen first, like, Hey honey, I, I know we're not in a great place and I want to, I want to just listen to you and try to understand your experience. And I call this one LUFU, L-U-F-U, listen until the other person feels understood. That's a commitment and it doesn't always work, but the commitment, my commitment to Ellen is that I really am committed to understanding you. Yeah. And then my job in that is to not just be like, well, you're, you know, (laughs) this is all the shit wrong with you. It's, it would be to really talk about my experience, you know? Yeah. I felt hurt when this happened or whatever. Could you, I know you just alluded to it, could you like actually model what that might look like? Yeah, yeah for sure. Do um, we have something recent? Yeah, let's think. Put you on the spot. This, this morning. Yeah. I mean, you could say something about that. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I I said something. Uh, God, how would I explain that? Uh, I kind of teased Jason this morning uh, about something that <laughs> that, you, that I thought was annoying to me. It was annoying to me. Mm-hmm. And I teased you. And then our son kind of jumped in on it a little bit and was like, Oh yeah, dad. And, uh, of course that felt bad. And so just do it right now. Do what? Mo- just model what you would say. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So let me model the thing. So, yeah. So I noticed that this morning I was, I just, I was being sarcastic and careless and not really thinking of you when I teased you about the laundry mm-hmm. this morning in front of Lucian too. And then he jumped in on that. And, uh, I'm just guessing the, I'm guessing that felt bad to you and that you were probably upset with me and 
maybe even felt hurt or angry. Any of that would make sense. Yeah. And, and so that already I feel just like, oh, just, you know, thanks. And it, it was pretty minor in terms of the the charge level mm-hmm. of this one. So it, it it's pretty like I'm complete already because I don't have like a, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then you, and gosh, it really mm-hmm. sucked when. And you always are, yeah. you know, like again. That's another, comes... I have to jump like, yeah. One of the things we agreed to not do, maybe we do have a conflict process. I think Dude, you probably do. We probably do. But the fact that we haven't identified it is it could be better. But one of the things we also agreed to not do anymore is, is use language of you always or you never. Yeah. yeah. So Absolutes. Are, yeah. Yeah. Those are just so like, cause when you tell someone you always, or you never, it's basically like you are this way, this is your identity and you'll always be this way. So it's like, that's, that's rough to hear. Yeah. It's unfair. And it's not true. Yeah, and it's not. <laughs> no one does anything always, you know. We Man, always is this part of what in 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 part of the relationship school and some of your coaching or in the courses that they take, Jason? Do you give kind of a a blueprint conflict resolution process of like just good principles, and then like help couples kind of customize their own, like where they say this is our go to agreement of how we resolve conflict together? Totally. Yeah, That's I, mean, awesome. I wrote a whole book on it. Is that, is that, so I wanted to talk about your book, getting to, is that yeah. getting to zero? Yeah. Getting to zero is getting back to a good place. Okay. Zero, I, was gonna, I thought that's what it meant. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then we teach here, uh, in our courses, both our coaching program, as well as our just relationship kind of resourcing programs and trainings. Yeah. Like people want a framework, you know? Mm-hmm. And so we teach a framework and you can riff off it, of course, but it's a nice skeleton that orients people to, okay, cool. Got it. These are the basics. Mm-hmm. I do need to keep the other person in mind. It can't, it can't just be all about me and my feelings. And there's steps. Here's the eight step, like chapter 11 in my book is the Lufu process. There's eight steps. Do these eight steps and your life's going to change. Mm-hmm. Mm. And people's lives change because they become permanent, permanent, better listeners. Cause we all think we're pretty good listeners, but under mm-hmm. stress, we're not great. Mm-hmm. And that's when it counts. So yeah, yeah. I'm but- big on, I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to like steps and frameworks and Loves the frameworks. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm like, can't you just feel it out and find your way? And I'm like, that's no. no. no step three. <laughs> and says... I get that people need more. I mean, I've needed frameworks too. That's yeah. how I've learned a lot. But I think that when it comes to communication, so often people focus on like, how can I communicate better? That's that's like the number one thing couples come in with is like, we need help with communication. And the first place I like to direct people, which is based on what you just said, was like, become a better listener. Mm. Stop worrying about saying whatever you think or feel right. Like put a, put all your energy into how can I become an excellent listener Mm -hmm. and really understand the person that is trying to convey themselves to me. And that, that will, I think, take you much further than getting better at speaking. Yeah. I think that's really wise. You know, most couples are probably coming in and saying we need to be better at communicating and you might reframe back. Well, you probably should actually start working on being better at listening. Exactly. Yeah. Which will solve the communicating. Exactly. Yeah. Listening is yeah. very difficult. <laughs> it turns out. So, especially when you're getting Especially blamed. when you're upset or stressed. <laughs> so Jason, I, I kind of, we alluded to it, but will you just tell me what, again, kind of how you define, like, why'd you call the book getting to zero? And what does that, what does that mean? Yeah. So I think it helps people when I say, when you get triggered or activated by someone, road rage, or just your partner at home or your, one of your kids, a zero to 10 scale can be really helpful. 10 is I'm, I'm like, I've, the lid is off my brain. I'm now in the back part of my brain, more in primal reactivity. Not good, right? When we're that, we say and do stupid things when we're in the back part of our brain. So that's a 10. And a 
you know, zero is I feel calm, connected to myself, connected to you, we're in a good place. And so anything between zero and 10 is a little level of sympathetic arousal, a little bit of activation. And I often say that above five, you're, you're usually moving toward the backseat of your brain and you're uh, more in a fear response. And below five, you can have a rational conversation and still be activated. And that, that just helps people. So mm -hmm. the goal is always, how do we as a couple get back down to zero, back to a good place where we feel connected and calm and we're, we're cool. Like everything's cool here. Mm -hmm. And Love that, that just helps that kind of frame just can help people when they name it. Yeah, that's awesome. This is going to be a hard question to answer, but what percentage of couples do you think are constantly living at or operating at a level that's above five and it's totally unnecessary. Meaning they actually yeah. really do like each other. They love each other. They have a good relationship. And if they just knew how. Yeah. And would you say that probably a lot of a high percentage of couples are operating above five or the ones that are, it's probably unnecessary, right? Yeah. I mean, unfortunately it's sad, but I would guess it's like above a five can be like a little too aggressive, but people do grow up in those kind of homes, right? Where yeah. it's constantly a five or a, or a yeah. six. I, I, but, but more people, I think, are living in one to four. Yeah, not, they, they're not aware of it, though. It's their normal. And it's because mm -hmm. they grew up in families where that was the vibe in the home. So they don't know any different. Yeah, you just they learn to tolerate a lot of unresolved material in the relationships. And and so now in their marriage, like those that couple you described that likes each other, that's a good couple that, you know, wants the same things, that couple can still be kind of existing in like a, like you said, like a, I'd say like a two to five most of the time where there's this kind of, you know, like it, they'll notice as soon as they turn towards each other and, and just look in each other's eyes, they're like, oh my God, like there's a lot going yeah. on. And it's like, I feel love. I feel fear. I feel like all this stuff. Cause I haven't really stopped to pay attention to you and us in a long time. And, yeah. and they realize actually there is kind of a lot going on here that we don't, that feels kind of almost scary and we don't address and it and we don't address it. And, but as they start to address it, like those couples that really want to be together, like each other still, they, they can move through that pretty quickly with just a little bit of support. Your program sounds so cool. Yeah. I can't wait to, uh, I wanted to, I wanted to have your book read before we did the interview and didn't, didn't get that accomplished, but we've got it, uh, ordered and going to read it. Um, uh, you mentioned, earlier, Ellen, that a lot of times couples, the first thing they'll kind of present with is I want to be a better communicator. We want to improve our communication. Would you say, is that the number one thing that couples are kind of struggling with as they come to you? Or is there, would you say there's other kind of things that you're most commonly seeing? I'd say it's the number one thing couples think they're struggling with. And, and the first thing they say when they come in for coaching or therapy, but as we look deeper, it, what they're really struggling with varies. And, and so that's kind of always what I'm looking for is like, okay, communication's like a flag, but usually there's something more about their sense of security as a couple, uh, their sense of connection, like how connected do they feel? And, and are they, and one, at least one, maybe both of them doesn't feel as connected as they'd like that would have them feel mm -hmm. really safe and at ease and like, huh. Sometimes it's about just un like unworked through resentments, things that happen that they just couldn't metabolize and process. So they sort of put on a shelf, but it's still sitting there. So there's mm -hmm. different things that are that they're they're struggle to feel like they're on the same page or that they can work through conflict is showing them is off. 
So the yeah, underneath they, it varies. And they have a habit of getting scared and not, you know, not knowing how to work through yeah. stuff. So it just piles up and it just gets put on shelves and under the mm -hmm. carpet. And, and, you know, people are busy, especially parents, young parents, yeah. right. it gets very easily tired, compartmentalized. Tired, Everybody's stressed. overwhelmed and stressed and, and it's like, oh man, this could make things worse. I'm just not going to say anything. Yeah. And years of that is like really bad. <laughs> and a lot of people come in with that kind of. Yeah. Pile. Yeah. But there's, it's never too late. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say it's never too late. There are times when it's really, right. if people had done something sooner, they might've been able to recover their relationship. I think you guys are such, your story is such a cool example of how you, you turned that around. And, mm -hmm. um, and so, but some people have gone too long, too much stress, too little connection for too long will create wear and tear that great coaching or therapy can't really undo. So the sooner, the better, but two people, I mean, sometimes people come in late in the game, you know, raised kids and everything, and they want to reinvent their relationship. And if they both want that, that can be really cool yeah, too. It can work. It can work. I think it's interesting in, in marriages and relationships, how sometimes we enter into this, this dance that we do and this dance can go on, like you're saying for years, it's like, she does this one thing. And then I always do this other thing, or I get silent, but, and sometimes it's just yeah, you just need to know new skills to learn new steps to the dance. Yeah, totally. Yeah, too many but, people winging it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and one of the things that I, I had never thought about or considered before, though, that I think might keep people from actually doing the work is this, well, we're just not good at communicating. And if you think about that, there's a danger in that that I'm hearing from you. One, because it's not really the problem. But two, it almost pacifies you to be like, well, we've identified what the problem is. We know it's that we're not good at communicating. And it, it's like kind of like check, uh -huh. but it doesn't have you look at what, so it keeps you from actually, is this making sense right. what I'm trying to say? Totally, yeah. it's totally keeps you from sense. actually, but it feels good to be like, oh yeah, we're just not good at communicating. But if you think about it, that doesn't really make sense in any relationship, work, school. If you're not good at communicating, that's not the issue. That's yeah. the, that's what's coming out on the surface of something deeper. Yeah. But I'd never considered that, that as what most people think they're struggling with is dangerous because it's not. And two, it could pacify you into being like, well, at least we have an answer, but you're not really getting to what. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It can be a dodge. Uh, I think that's astute. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And, and if it is an issue, if, if that, if some couple is stuck in, we have communication issues, then rather than kind of relax thinking you've identified it, it's like, go work on your communication issues then. <laughs> Put some yeah. attention and care there. <laughs> Become a better listener. You know? Yeah. One thing I, I keep hearing come up as a recurring theme, and it started with even your story, Jason, of how the relationship school came to be. And that is this idea of, and even you modeled it when the two of you talked about how to, how to model, right? A conversation earlier. Ellen, you didn't, you didn't say, well, I made fun of you with the laundry because, right? You just, how important is it to a healthy relationship that both people accept 100% responsibility for how they show up in the relationship. I love that you caught that because I think, and I think that's a really important notice what you notice that I didn't say, well, here's why I did that in that moment. When I'm repairing something with Jason, he doesn't, he doesn't care why I teased him. <laughs> he just wants to know that I, that I care about him enough to notice that that wasn't cool. And that, that probably hurt his feelings and that I want to, I want to know how he's doing over there. That's, that's all people care about. 
in that moment later on at some point, Chris, like he, maybe he's like, yeah, why did you say that? He might be like, why did you, what was going on for you that you Mm -hmm. thought that was okay? I mean, I'd have to be like, I don't know, I guess I'm kind of irritable today or, you know, like I would have to think about it, but in that moment, it doesn't matter why. And and it and, could make it worse if you go start. And to it could make it worse because it just sounds it like dispensive and justifying. Yeah, and, it's sort of like I didn't really do anything wrong. I had a good reason, and it's just it just starts to unravel the whole thing. Like better mm-hmm. to just start with, like you said, that taking responsibility that I did something that probably didn't feel good to him. Like that's that's a that's like ninety percent of it in mm-hmm. in some of these situations. And I think that you know I I'd love to hear what you have to say to Chris's question about. How important is that that both people are willing? I think it's extremely important. Yeah, that both people are willing to take responsibility and not not make any excuse. Yeah, especially in the moment when you're repairing, and then later maybe there's something to learn there. But. Yeah, yeah, agreed with all that, and it's vital. And I like a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Like Gay Hendricks sort of taught me that once that it's two hundred percent responsibility. It's not fifty fifty because then we can get into scorekeeping. Well, you took sixty yeah. percent, and I took forty, and. <laughs> It's just like, look, yeah. let's just assume we're both owning our part completely and what's getting activated mm-hmm. here. And, you know, that'll help us work through this. Mm-hmm. I think that was one of the biggest, actually, when people ask us sometimes, how did we go from this place of going to get divorced to this wasn't everything. But one of the biggest things was and Melissa and I joke sometimes that we're, we're recovering professional scorekeepers. Mm-hmm. Like we were so good at keeping score. Like, well, you did this and I would have, I would have never done that. But you, and it's such a dangerous, like, you know, that concept we had never, you know, I'd never been taught the idea 50, 50, you know, win-win is supposed to be a good thing, but in a relationship, it's actually a higher form of keeping score. It's like, I'll come 50% of the way, but then you have to. And if you don't, I'm gonna let you know about it. And it's like, well, what if we both just strived? Not, not, not that it's even possible all the time, but what if our intention was, I'll just make it hundred percent win for you yeah. and I'll be 100% responsible for how I show up. You do the same. And let's just, try to operate from this place of 100, 100, and it's a 200% commitment. Mm-hmm. That took us way too long to just realize. We just didn't know, you know? Like, yeah. yeah, we don't know. And it can feel, it can, to, again, to some of us, to where we've, how we've grown up or what we've seen, that can feel really risky to do. Like, well, if I take all that responsibility, then then all the blame's on me, or then that's going to be unfair to me somehow. But like you're saying it, Chris, like if we both do that, that's, really fair and actually really generous. It's like beyond fair. It's, mm-hmm. it's generous. It's like, it's, I can make lots of mistakes without fear because I know that I can be responsible for mine. And I know that mm-hmm. you're going to do the same and, and we can just, you know, improve and become better at each yeah. other and this thing, because we have room to kind of, cause no one's keeping score and we're just all trying to show up and do our, do what our part is. Yeah. Well, I've absolutely loved having you both on like so many nuggets in here. I mean, the first one big takeaway for me is for Melissa and I to formalize an actual written out intentional, like conflict resolution process. We have pieces of it and I think we have one, but it's just identifying how useful that'd be to just go to, here's what we do when we have conflict. Here's what we don't do. I also think a takeaway is the time that you allow between conflict and working to repair and recover is like really important. Yeah. Like, so I, w- I would love for everyone listening, you know, to, to buy your book, getting to zero, you know, you can just type getting to zero, Jason Gaddis, we'll, we'll include a link. Is there any other resource, Jason and Ellen, that you think like, 
if someone was going to come check out the relationship school for the very first time, you have so many amazing resources. Is there something in particular that you would encourage people that in addition to your book and your podcast, like to check out? Yeah. Yeah. Great. I'm glad you mentioned the podcast because you two have been on it and that was awesome. Um, that's a great free resource for people that like running and commuting with the podcasts. And then if they want to invest a little more, I think a course we created together would mm -hmm. be a great option. And that's relationshipschool.com forward slash upgrade. It's called Relationship Upgrade. And it's all about, it's an eight week course that um, just walks people through kind of the view and framework of how to work with two nervous systems and how to have a deep, fulfilling relationship. And it's got a bit of our story in there and mm -hmm. just a lot of great tools. Yeah. Amazing. We'll link to that as well, relationship.com, relationshipschool.com forward slash upgrade. Yep. Yeah. Okay, we'll link to that as well. Okay, I have one last question. If you could leave this. And then I have one last question. Okay. <laughs> if you could leave this um, episode with, you know, the listeners with one message or one thing, what would it be? I'd say embrace conflict as a path to getting stronger. Yeah, and I'd say be open to and willing to learn about how to create the kind of relationship you want to have. That's great. I love both. And I think even for, I know Chris and I have come a long way in our relationship, but I know there's always, it's never like a destination. Like you've, you've reached yeah. the top. It's like, there's always little things we, we can tweak and, and not being afraid to like continue to be vulnerable, vulnerable and continue to do the work. I love it that yeah. you're providing tools for people to do that. So the question I always love asking whenever a guest is on, because so much about family brand is really like being clear of like what you stand for as a family and what you want to be remembered for, what you want to be known for. So you guys can answer this independently, but if you were to say, this is what I would want our family, like, if, like our family's brand, right? This is what I would want us to be known for more than anything as a family. Mm -hmm. What comes to mind? No pressure. You go first. Okay. The first thing that comes to mind is that we take really good care of each other. Mm. Yeah. Love yeah. that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would just say connection that we connection above everything else that we're connected and we prioritize our connections. It's awesome. Well, thank you. Seriously. This has been amazing. Like what a gift you've given everyone. And, and again, like Melissa said, like the things that we, the things that make the biggest impact in our lives are the things that we're not taught about at all. Yeah, unfortunately sure. most often in life yeah um this being one of them like how to have really great relationships where and, and have the ability to work through conflict like mm -hmm. so thank you both yeah. for coming on it's been amazing yeah, yeah and thank thank you for what you're putting out there too we we love what you're up to as well it's super valuable yeah thanks for taking a stand for families yeah, totally okay talk to you soon okay, okay. thanks guys Thank you so much for listening to the Family Brand Podcast. To say thank you, we have something really awesome we'd love to share with you. You know, we often hear from families who will tell us that they just feel so overwhelmed because of the demands that are placed on them. They feel like they're constantly being pulled in so many different directions and spread thin and they're spending time as a family, but they don't feel like it's quality time. They're not really connected and they want to be more intentional. And we can certainly relate because we felt like that at one point in, in our family. And so we created a guide that allowed us to really be more confident around how we spend time as a family and what we say yes to and what we say no to. And it's just brought so much more peace into our home. It's made our lives so much more simple and we want to share it with you. So if you go to familybrand.com forward slash free, you can download the how to take back your family's time guide. And I can promise you, it'll give you more confidence and more peace in your life than your family. 
One last thing, we feel so inspired when we hear from families that we are making a difference for them. We would love it if you would leave us a five-star rating and a review on the podcast so we can reach even more amazing families. We truly believe that the way we change the world is one family at a time.